This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. Being able to breathe easily is something that many take for granted. What does specializing in pulmonary health entail? Also, how can hospice nurses best serve patients? We'll learn this and more today on The College Handoff. Stick around. Hey everyone, I'm Eliza Joy. And I'm Ryan Larson. Together we will explore nursing careers and professional insights. With exclusive interviews for nurses working in jobs that you want to know about. Transferring info from one nurse to another. This is The College Handoff. Welcome back to The College Handoff. On today's episode, we will hear from Eden Lewis, a pulmonary care nurse in North Carolina. She explains her role in helping patients who are suffering from lung and respiratory conditions and how she works with pulmonologists. We will also hear from Denise Mann, a full-time hospice nurse and per diem ICU nurse passionate about end-of-life care. She'll be cluing us in to what it's like to be a hospice nurse and the differences between hospice and palliative care. Let's get started. Our first guest today is Eden Lewis. She's a pulmonary nurse in North Carolina. Welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. So I graduated from BYU Nursing in 2018, December 2018. Um, and then my husband and I, we um, started out, um, well, we lived in Utah for a year. And then I did, I worked with people with disabilities for a year at Hidden Hollow. Um, care center. Um, I did a little bit of nursing management there for a year. I was the assistant director um, of health there. Um, and then we decided to move to North Carolina just for better opportunities and be close to family. And so I moved here in the middle of the pandemic, which was crazy. Um, and I found a job out here working in pulmonary. Um, and um, working with pulmonary, I did work with COVID patients and um, all sorts of really cool, um, anything lung-related, and even some non-lung-related things as well, too. But I've been really loving it and um, just been out here. And we have our son, who's I, um, he's 16 months now, and just uh, the love of our lives. And just, just a sweet, sweet son, and we just love him. And uh, we've been loving being out here in the nice weather. We've skipped the Utah snow, which we were really excited about, but we still love our Utah our Utah family out there, and um, just we miss a lot of things about Utah too. But we're loving it out here, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be out here. So I imagine most people don't actually know what pulmonary nursing is. Could you maybe explain what your typical day looks like? Um, so I do three 12-hour shifts, um, and I I usually just um, I'm a working mom, and so I try to like bunch my together. I do three twelves usually together. I do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and then I just, when I get to the floor, I take reports. Um, and then I check my patient, uh, make sure their uh, telemetry monitors are on and working. Um, and then I start um, assessing patients, getting medications. Um, and depending on the patient, it depends on what we do. We see a lot of test tubes. Um, a lot of patients with COPD. Uh, recently, we've had a lot of COVID patients. 
so we might have them on like heated high flow or um, high flow nasal cannula, uh, just so like assessing them. Kind of thing. Also, there's there's a lot that can that can be going on, and they could have like um, secondary uh, diseases that we're also treating, like diabetes or um, cancer. Sometimes we don't give cancer medications, but we do sometimes get cancer patients or renal patients where they have kidney failure and um, hemodialysis or um, peritoneal dialysis. So we kind of get a bunch of different things we also take care of on top of pulmonary related things. But a lot of oxygen, a lot of nebulizing treatments. Um, so yeah, that's uh, just kind of maintaining their maintaining just their health during that time. And I work nights too, so it's a little different as well. Um, so most of my patients are sleeping, but um, we also see a lot of times their oxygen, the patient's oxygen might dip down at night and then they might need um, like CPAP or BiPAP. But just you know, kind of managing their care throughout the night. What made you decide to get into pulmonary nursing? Um, well, I was really excited just to um, go into something different. Um, I I was just open to just trying anything. And I had heard that the pulmonary team at this hospital was really awesome. Um, I was just really excited to learn new skills. And I had learned in nursing school about like chest tubes and I wasn't super familiar with it. I just kind of um, touched the surface of, of that. And so I never really got into it as much. And so I was like, well, let's give it a try and see if I like it. And it's been awesome. I've loved it. That's exciting. Did you have to have any advanced certifications or is it mostly on the job type training? It's mostly on the job training. Um, they do require you by the end, like our policy is by the end of your um, year of working there, you have to get your ACLS certification. Um, and right now I'm also a preceptor. So I, I'm doing preceptor training, um, teaching other nursing students as well. Um, and so at least for I, this hospital is really great. They um, they try to help you to advance your career, and um, they, I, I would say that um, it's a good place to get a lot of experience. And I imagine you probably work under the direction of a pulmonologist, but do you have any independence in how you treat patients, or what does your relationship look like with the pulmonologist? Yeah, so we have um, at night, on daytime, it's completely different. They have like doctors that are circulating and seeing patients, but at nighttime we have an on-call doctor that we message through like the phone, through our phones, our work phone, and um, they give us uh, direction on what, like they give us new orders. So there are some orders as um, pulmonary nurse that we can um, just kind of, we can, we don't have to have orders to put oxygen on someone or to straight cast someone if their urine is past a certain like there's like some standing orders for us that we can do um as well as draw labs if needed um and so there's some certain orders that we can we can do but a lot of our responsibilities we have to still go through the doctor and I always let the doctor know what I put in if there is um if I do try to put something in so they know like EKGs and things there's like a heart rhythm change I could put an order in for like a stat EKG um, and I think like troponin as well, if they might have had a cardiac event. 
Um, but most of our orders do come from um, our on-call doctor and I. What are some unique challenges that you find with your job? Yeah, there's definitely challenges. Um, I mean, I mean, there's always problems across the board. Um, just people, patients not willing to make changes in their in their life when they go home. Um, and so that, that can sometimes that results in some patients coming back often. We have our frequent flyers, like they um, forget to um, get their oxygen at home that they need. And so then they come home, come back to us, their hospital, and we see them several times throughout the year or they are just more prone to getting pneumonia. So we just get a lot of patients that it's a, it's a chronic issue that they have uh, with their their lungs. Um, so they they come back often. I'm trying to think of any other um, other hospital. Just yeah, mostly non-compliant is like the biggest um, I see on the patient side. For I'm trying to think for me, biggest oh, just probably time management because sometimes you might have like three patients deciding all at the same time and you have to like try to be like, okay, which one do I need to see first? And maybe you have to ask like a colleague to step in and um, go check on your patient with you or before you while you're checking on someone else. So those are some of the challenges I would say. Have you ever had an experience that maybe made you proud to be a BYU nursing alum? Definitely. Um, well, I mean, for me, when the patient is really sick and I know they're like about to pass or they have passed away, um, there's like for me, there's like a special feeling in that room because um, I know that that person, like like God, is really close and their ancestors are so close to the veil there. Um, and for me, it's like a spiritual moment for me to be in that room. And then I, I like to hold my patient's hands and um, just kind of say a prayer with them if they are religious. Like the song, okay, where people are so religious and so people listen prayers and they're so grateful for prayers. You say one with them. So I I always ask them, would you like to say a prayer if they're, we know that they're not doing well? Um, so for me, it's a really cool opportunity to... Um, to see a spiritual side of nursing um, and to try to include that and just uh, have a different perspective. Um, a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of other nurses are very spiritual here too, but I feel like for me, when I see patients pass away, it's just, it's a spiritual experience for me. Um, and I really enjoy being there in those sacred moments with those very ill patients. And it's my understanding that you graduated pretty recently. Do you have any advice for students or future grads that also might be interested in pulmonary nursing? Um, yeah. So I, I would say if you um, like a pretty fast pace um, and uh, like you like fast pace and exciting things, new things to learn, there's a lot to learn in pulmonary. Uh, I would say pulmonary is a really good place to start. Um, I like pulmonary at least this is, this is considered a progressive care so they typically my patients are either getting better or they're getting worse and so if you kind of like to be in that middle middle area where your patients aren't like super sick but they could be later on or they're going to get better and go home it's a good place to be and so there's there's a lot of people that bounce back too and so it's not all very sick patients um so i would give it i think it's definitely a place to give it a try if you are interested and up to learning some new things. 
um, and it can be a little nerve-wracking at first. But I feel like for me, it was a really good step to get some um, foundational skills. Um, and you do a lot of sectioning too. Like we get um, float nurses that don't know how to section, and so it's a good place to. I get to teach a lot of people um, where I'm at, and so once you get those skills, they're very foundational for you as you move on to other things. So if you, you choose to do something different. I would say give it a try. It's, it's a really cool um, job and I love it. Well, Eden, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. I've definitely learned a lot and I've enjoyed our conversation about pulmonary nursing. I hope you have a great day. Well, thank you so much for your time too. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Did you know that the BYU College Nursing blog posts regular updates on its programs, faculty, students, and alumni? You can read exclusive stories or access past archives at byunursing.wordpress.com. So we're here today with Denise Mann. She's a hospice nurse. Um, Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you. I know that through clinicals, students might have a general idea. But could you share an overview of hospice care, palliative care, and home health-centered care? Yeah, so our home health um, service is mostly directed at people that have been recently discharged from the hospital. They may still have some um, health care needs, but don't need like, you know, frequent, you know, hourly vital sign monitoring or anything like that. They oftentimes will have things like they need to have an antibiotic started a couple times a week or they need to have wound care done um, for a period of time. So they may not need as much care as what's given in the hospital, but they still need skilled nursing care in the home. So they would be on for a period of time as long as there was still like a need for a skilled nurse to, you know, start an IV, take care of a pick line or, or do something like wound care. So that's home health. Palliative care services, they kind of, um, they're a little bit of a gray area, but they, they mostly feel like a consultative role. So if there's a patient, typically someone who is like on home health um, with an acute problem related to treatment for cancer or something. So they're on chemo and they're having an acute problem with a pain crisis or something, then our um, palliative care physician and that, that team would step in to kind of help them um, with a specific symptom management issue related to that treatment. Um, and they also kind of help bridge the gap between home health and hospice. And they can also recognize when there's a, there's a time that comes when they need to have some kind of tough conversations about like, where are we going with this? You know, are we moving towards getting better or, are, or do we need to move towards looking at hospice services? And they can do things like advanced directives and, um, and all that. And then hospice services, of course, when somebody moves to a place where treatment is no longer um, recommended or or a patient decides they don't want to pursue treatment any longer, um, people on hospice are just, um, they have to have a, you know, a terminal illness. The physician has to certify that they have like a six-month life expectancy, typically. That, of course, is totally subjective and people blow past that six-month um life expectancy thing all of the time, but, um, uh, but they have to certify that they have an illness that could potentially, um, be fatal within six months. And, um, then they're not pursuing active treatment. And then the goal becomes, um, comfort care at home. So, or, I mean, of course they could be in a facility or, or at home. 
Do you find that there's one main issue that patients in end-of-life care face? Um, probably, it'd probably be twofold. I mean, either they're having symptom issues, and so that's really disruptive to their life, or they're just like not ready to accept where they are in their life journey. Um, so, and, and oftentimes, if we can control the symptom, then we can help them focus on that second piece of, of helping them accept where they are. Oftentimes they've gotten to that point before they get to us, you know, they're, they've, they've been doing chemo treatments or whatever for so long and they've been seeing their decline or their, they can see that they're, um, that they are, you know, not doing well and are ready to move to that next step. And, and, and other times they come on and they are just not ready to face that. So I, I saw that a lot at the Huntsman just because of course, a lot of our patients there were much younger. Um, and, and of course, dealing exclusively with cancer. So, so it really is, um, I'm uncomfortable either physically or, you know, emotionally and spiritually. So that, those are the, that's the main thing I would say people deal with. So I'm guessing you don't do this all on your own. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the team you work on and what specific training you go through? Like, have you been trained in counseling? You know, so I, my team is like, there's a physician, a hospice physician. There's me as the hospice nurse. We have a hospice social worker and um, there's a home health aide that does things like bathing and um, reflexology work. And then we have a hospice chaplain. But I would say that all of us, like, sometimes I get asked questions about like, well, how do I, you know, I need to get into a facility or what do I do about this? So it's something, a, a question for a social worker or, or, you know, they will express some spiritual care concerns. So all of our all of our work bleeds together a little bit, but um, no, I wouldn't say that there's any specific training and like, uh, I mean, it's just like really on the job training. Like I, you know, I do do, do um, continuing education courses and a lot of that um, has to do with like how to talk to people about having these difficult conversations around end of life issues and, and all that. But a lot of it is just, um, you know, you bring with your, with you the knowledge that you've gained throughout your life and, and kind of learn to apply it. It's kind of intense only because like um, you don't get a second chance to like help someone die well. And so I've had lots of experiences where it's gone really well and I've you know been able to say the right things and help people um, come to terms with where they're at. And there have been a handful of instances where I've done it wrong and people have had a bad experience at the end of life and you cannot get a redo on that. So, so that I would say is the only place where like hospice nursing can be kind of intense was most of the time, you know, people are like, Oh my gosh, there's this huge problem. And you're like, Nope, Nope, it's not a problem. That's, that's okay. You know, but, but, um, that's where my job becomes stressful is just that I, I don't get the, I don't get a chance to have a redo, um, at the end, you know, helping someone at the end of life process. So anyway, so yeah, um, a lot of it is really just trial and error and you know you just bring the skills you've learned from life and try to apply them in this specific situation what are some things you notice about nurses that decide to go to hospice care do you think your religious and spiritual background play a part in how you approach your job um the thing about hospice it's such a unique field that I just feel like hospice nurses, I mean, we take a pretty good, a pretty decent pay cut here in California anyway. Like I took a pretty decent pay cut to go into hospice, which I am 100% glad that I did. And I do not miss that money 
at all. And I work in the ICU and I'm like, I mean, it's great. And I learn stuff, but I love my hospice job. And I feel like most hospice nurses, they like, I feel like hospice nursing is like this spiritual gift that is given to some people. It is like our superpower. And so I think my unique perspective of like the, you know, the lifespan, not beginning with birth or ending with death. Like, I think that that helps me and just having the opportunity to carry the spirit with me every day, I think is so helpful. But I do think that those maybe are not gifts that my coworkers recognize, but that I think that they are given. I just think it's, you know, I call it a spiritual gift. They would call it a superpower, but I think it's one in the same. Um, just, I mean, you just don't, you don't like go into this for the money, you know? So I think even without knowing it, those women, women and men are given the spiritual gift of caring for the dying because there's just no other reason why you would, why you would do this job, you know? So. Aside from helping the patient and their families, what is the most enjoyable part of your job? You know, I worked in the, I've worked in the ICU now for years and years and years. And I feel like you run into a lot of ethical issues. Like, man, this guy's 89. Like, why are we like doing an open heart surgery? You're like, you just know that it's very probable that whatever treatment they're going to do that that family is requiring them to do is just not going to go well. And I feel like I do not run into that ever in my job. Like, I know that I am adding quality of life to my patients, like always, you know, so there's none of this ethical issues like, okay, well, we gave them a new heart, but now, you know, they're probably never going to be able to get out of bed again, like sometimes happens in the ICU. But um, so I, I just feel like you can always meet your goals of like giving people a better quality of life. And I really love that. And I just have met the most fascinated people. Like I spend time, like, you know, Prince Harry lives in Montecito. Like I have patients that like I took care of Oprah's neighbor for a while, like these incredibly wealthy people. And I've also like taken care of, um, you know, uh, homeless people that like live in um, Section 8 housing. And I and they all just have an interesting story to tell and a unique reason why they are the way they are. And um, and so I've just been fascinated to have a moment. They're the people I never would have met and never would have interacted with before. And it's such um, a gift for me to to play a very brief role in their lives. And so I really, I really love um, meeting the people that I meet and and knowing that I um, offer comfort and quality almost always um, to their to their journey. What advice would you give a student who is considering going into hospice care? Um, yeah, like if it's something you think you're interested in, again, I do feel like it's one of those kind of like spiritual gift things. Like, I feel like I went on a medical journey to find my way there. And, and I'm so glad that like, I just had a roommate that had been, she had dated somebody in college who had been like a home health aide in hospice and, or, and she had done some volunteering with a hospice. Um, they, we use, um, lots of volunteers. Medicare requires us to have, um, like so many hours of the year that are spent with patients with volunteers. So our volunteer service is like super important part of it. So if there's any interest, like definitely look into volunteering um, with, with a hospice group, they definitely need your help. Um, And I guess it just is like something that I never had really considered as an option before. So I just, I think it's a great option. Um, And 
Yeah, again, it, it might ju it's just kind of one of those silly um, calling jobs, I think. So if you feel called, follow your heart and you'll be so happy. You will not be rich, but you will be very, very happy. I just feel so incredibly fulfilled by my job. Um, and that is just totally priceless. So, um, yeah. Denise, we've come to the end of our time, but we want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, thanks for letting me share. It's, it's something that I love to do, so. Well, Liza, thank you so much for that amazing interview with Denise. I thought it was really fascinating how she mentioned that nurses who work with patients that are coming towards the end of their life, they have almost like a superpower, or as she described it, a spiritual gift to be able to work with those patients and help them feel loved. And I, I really appreciated your interview with Eden today. Um, just hearing from a pulmonology nurse about, you know, all the different underlying illnesses that, that can lead to needing a lung specialist. That interview just really took my breath away. <laughs> Gosh dang it. <laughs> Great dad joke, Eliza. Uh, yeah, I also think it's amazing how so many different problems a patient might have all come back to relating towards lungs and respiratory issues. And so it's amazing to see that someone like Eden can have enough of a background that she can treat patients in dozens of different contexts that are all struggling with the same problem, the basic problem of just breathing. That's all we have for you guys today. Uh, you can find us on Apple Music, Podbean, anywhere you guys listen to your podcasts. That's right. We also want to give a huge shout out to our listeners. Just recently, we had our 5,000th download, which is huge for us. We're so thankful for everyone that listens and contributes to the amazing content that we have on this podcast. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.